My name is Shayla, and I'm actually Pastor TJ's wife, and I'm really excited to get to bring you this message today. And as I was preparing for this message, I started thinking about moms. And I started thinking about the investment that our moms make. I mean, they invest a ton in us. I think these lights are like blinding all of these people that are here. We might want to kill those two. But so I, I was researching and I found this article written by Forbes magazine. And, it, and it's called A Survey Finds the Worth of Mom's Salary. And they did this survey, and I want to kind of read you their results. It says, first they broke down motherly duties into the following 10 categories. Daycare center, teacher, CEO, psychologist, cook, housekeeper, laundry machine operator, computer operator, facilities manager, janitor, and van driver. Then they studied how many hours mom works in those categories and what the family would have to pay for outsourcing that duty. And here was the results that came out of the survey. They found that the average stay-at-home mom should make an annual salary of $112,962. And that's based on a 40-hour work week base pay plus 54.7 hours of overtime every week. So then they figured the average working mom should make an annual salary just for her mom role of $66,969. And that is based on 40 hours of mothering duties on top of what she already does at work and 17.9 hours of overtime per week. And then it said the article concludes that the breadth of mom's responsibilities is beyond what most workers could ever experience day to day. Imagine if you had to attract and retain a candidate to fill this role. Can we give it up for our moms today? Man, moms are so incredibly special. They deal with things that most of us can't even deal with on a regular basis. I mean, like, never mind, I won't go there, but there are so many different things that moms face that are just so incredibly difficult, and I just want to honor all of the moms today because you guys have an incredibly special place in so many people's lives, and you make a difference that you don't even know you make many times, and I know that so many times it can be a thankless job. And so I just want to say thank you this morning. And I think as I was thinking about this, there's so many things that mark moms. There's so many things that mark you as a mom. And as I was, as I was thinking about this message, I was thinking, what are some of the things that mark a mom? And I found this. Okay, so your car gets marked when you become a mom. I mean, that kind of looks like my car and I don't even have kids. But like your car gets marked. You know what else gets marked? Your purse gets marked. I mean, you start off with like these dainty little purses and, you know, you only have a few things in there. When you become a mom, you start like expanding your bag and becomes kind of like a suitcase, like Mary Poppins bag and anything that anybody needs, you can just pull out. It's a toy. It's a snack. It's a drink. It's, you know, whatever you need is always in mom's purse. And then, you know what, you try to have a fancy night out. You try to go out and you try to have an incredible night and you get marked. You know, moms get marked in so many different ways. But I think the thing that marks a lot of moms in a great way is their ability to handle interruptions. Can I get an amen? 
Because so many moms deal with interruptions on a daily basis. You know, they're, they're on the phone in interruption, and they're cooking dinner interruption. Even in the bathroom when they're trying to have their quiet time, the kids are all up in there. Interruption after interruption after interruption. And moms handle those interruptions so well. You guys are pros at handling interruptions, and we can probably learn a ton from you. But today, I want to talk to all of you about interruptions in life, because we all live interrupted lives. We all have things that are happening in life that we have to deal with. We deal with interrupted dreams. We deal with interrupted plans. We deal with the relationship that ended that you didn't even see coming. We deal with a death that we didn't know that was going to happen. We deal with a job loss. We, we deal with a failed class or a sick kid. We live these interrupted lives. And today I want to talk to you about interruptions and I want to take you to a place in scripture that many of you guys are probably familiar with. But we're going to go to Luke 10 and we're going to start in verse 30 and you can look in your Bible, you can follow along on the screen, you can read it in your notes. But it says this, in reply Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho where he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. That's a bad day. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, he bandaged his wounds, he, he poured on oil and wine. He put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper and he said, look after them. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses that you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. See, when Jesus told this parable, he was using it to teach some really big themes. He was using it to teach themes like mercy and like justice and about social and racial tension. You know, because in this day and age, the Jews, they hated the Samaritans, and the Samaritans, they hated the Jews, and it was a very, very tense relationship that was happening. And I just want to pull out a few things from this story, and the main thing that I want you to see today is that where two men saw an interruption, one man saw an invitation. Where two men saw an interruption, one man saw an invitation. And here's a key thought that I want you guys to grab onto today is that some of life's greatest invitations come in the form of an interruption. Some of life's greatest invitations come in the form of interruptions. And I was thinking about it and I was like, I'm going to title this message, The Gift of Interruption. And most people are like, the gift of interruption, that is not a gift. Let me tell you, I experience it on a daily basis. 
But I think if we can begin to see this differently, we'll realize that sometimes it is a gift in our life. And I think there's a few things that we need to do in life to receive the gift of interruption. And the first thing that we need to do is we need to make some room. If you want to see the interruptions in your life as invitations, you have got to make some room. In this story, you see both the priest and the Levite, they saw the man in need. They just, for some reason, they couldn't fulfill that need. And Jesus doesn't tell us a whole lot about the three characters. He just tells us who they were. He says that there was a priest. He says that there was a Levite, which means a temple helper. And then he says that there was a Samaritan. And I'm just going to like go out on a limb here. And I'm just going to assume that the priest and the Levite were in like the religious business, the church business. We can assume they were probably good people. They weren't bad people. It wasn't like they were bad guys and they didn't have mercy on the people that were around them. They were good people. They weren't bad. They were just busy. Maybe they were running late or they had something on their mind and they were so focused on wherever they were going that they just didn't have time to stop and to help that man. Maybe they were just so busy. And I think so many of us miss out on some incredible opportunities in life because we're so busy. We're just busy. Both of them saw and both of them passed by because they were probably living these hurry lives much like us. You know, John Ortberg has this saying that says, hurry is the greatest enemy of our soul. When we're rushing through life, there's so many things that are passing us by. And as I was preparing, I was thinking about my own life. And I realized that I don't really leave much space for invitation in my life. And I was kind of thinking about this message and taking inventory of the past year and just looking back at my conversations and my interactions. And I realized that in many of my conversations, I was present but I wasn't engaged in that conversation because you know what? My mind was somewhere else. I was standing there and I was talking to the person, but I was thinking about this and that and what's that person doing over there and how are they getting there and what do I need to do? And my mind was all over the place and I might've been in that conversation, but I was not engaged with that person because it's not just my life that begins to get busy. It's my mind that begins to get busy and it takes me away from the opportunity that is sitting right in front of me. And we live these hurried and these, these busy lives. We have soccer practice and karate and church and I need to do this. And, and we're going, going, going. And our day is so packed that everything that comes across our path is an interruption. It's an inconvenience. Because we're so hurried in life. We don't have time for the, for the kid that needs a little bit of an extra attention or a friend that's hurting, or the date night we need to have with our spouse because we're so busy. And I don't know about you guys, but when I get busy or when I get hurried, I don't have patience for anybody. I don't have pity for anybody. Like if you're with me and you're falling down and getting hurt, I'm like, get up, we gotta go. Come on, get in the car, let's go. 
How many parents are out there like that? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's how I'd be too. Because we're just so hurried and we got places to be. And you know what? The reality is if God presented me with an opportunity, I don't even know if I would see it because I'm so busy doing good things. It's not that the things that we're doing are bad things. It's just that we're so busy in life. And so many of us sit back and we wonder, why isn't God using me? Or why aren't these spaces in my life changing? Or why am I not making a difference like so-and-so? Well, have I given any, him any space to use me? We have to make room in our life. And you might be thinking, well, Shayla, it's not that easy for me. You know what? I'm a single mom. I'm a, I'm a single dad. I work two jobs. Yes, I run from this place to that place because that's what I have to do. And let me just say this. I respect single parents so much. Because you guys walk through things that I could never imagine. You carry weight that I could never imagine. And I'm always in awe of how a single parent navigates in life. But I think sometimes we can begin to make excuses because I can become so busy being interrupted by unimportant things that I can miss the important things. Because we just get so busy in life and we have to begin to make room. Let's look back at this story, and I want to go back over Luke 10, 31 through 33, and I just want to read it from a little bit different perspective with a little bit different emphasis. And it says, a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, the Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to the place the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And I think the second thing that we have to do if we want to receive the gift of interruption is I have got to open my eyes. I have got to open my eyes. See, all three of them saw. But when the Samaritan saw, he was moved. Something different happened when the Samaritan saw that man. Have you ever been just going through life and moving in a good direction, good things are happening. You are on the right trajectory in your life. Things are going the direction that you want them to go. And all of a sudden, boom, something happens. Something unexpected, a roadblock, a challenge. No like sign for detour, this is the way you should go. It's just something is there and you're just like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do right now. Maybe it's a job Maybe as a parent, it's a child that has a behavioral issue that's just come up all of the sudden that you have to face. Maybe it's something in your relationship that's challenging and it's just happening all of the sudden and there's a roadblock there. We all deal with those types of interruptions in our life. And Jesus tells us that the priest and the Levite saw, but when the Samaritan saw, he felt pity. And what I want to propose to you guys today is that the way you see determines the way you feel. The way you see that interruption is going to determine the way you feel about it. 
One version says that the Samaritan saw and his heart went out to him. See, the Samaritan, he was just an ordinary guy. Like you, like me. He was on an ordinary journey down that road that day. But when God uses someone, he doesn't care about your credentials. He doesn't care how long you've been a Christian. When God uses someone, he wants to use someone that he knows will see what he sees in the situation. The way you see is everything. It's all about your perspective on the situation that's happening in your life. Because you know what? If you see disappointment, you're going to feel discouraged. If you see inconvenience, you're going to feel annoyed. If you see rejection, you're going to feel like a failure. But if you see opportunity, you're going to feel courage. If you see progress, you're going to feel victory. If you really truly see hurt, you're going to feel compassion. If you see a gift, you're going to, you're going to feel gratitude. If you see an interruption, you're going to feel frustrated. But if you see an invitation, you're going to feel anticipation. Because you're going to look at your situation and you're going to say, I don't know why this is happening right now. I don't know why this roadblock is in my life, but God, I'm anticipating that you are up to something. I don't know why I lost my job, but there must be something better out there for me. What you see determines how you feel. You know, there was several years ago, I was in a bad space in life. I was in a space where every single thing that I saw was negative. Every person in my life, I saw the negative thing about them. The ministry that we had, I saw the negative pieces. There wasn't an interaction that I would walk into that I wouldn't find the negative. And I was ended up, I felt depressed, I felt discouraged. I wanted to quit all the time because I couldn't find anything good. And I remember TJ coming to me one day and sitting down to have a conversation with me and I'm sure he was scared to death to have a conversation because he had had some wrong ones before. But he learned, and he came into this with a much better attitude, and he sat me down, and he started it off so well. He said, Shayla, I know you don't mean to do this. He goes, but you know what? Every conversation that we have and every interaction, there's something negative. And I remember feeling like I got punched in the gut. Because that wasn't how I saw myself. That wasn't how I, I thought I was. I thought, no, that's, that's not me. But when he brought that to my attention, I began to look at it and say, no, 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 no that, that's not how I want to be. And I am determined to change that. So you know what? Every interaction that I had, I was determined to see the positive. Every person that was in my life, I was going to find the positive thing about them. Every aspect of ministry, I was going to look for what good was happening instead of what was the negative thing that was there. And you know what? I began to have this strength and this anticipation and this different outlook and this joy and this peace and this hope because I began to look for something different in my situation. 
And I remember TJ coming to me about a year later and he said, Shayla, you are a different person. Because you know what? I changed what I was looking for. I changed what I saw and it changed how I felt. And what you see determines how you feel in life. And when you change the way you see your situation, it can completely change the way you feel. You know, and I want to I want to shift into telling you guys about a, a different story in the Bible about an ordinary woman who was living an ordinary life. She was planning an ordinary wedding. But she was interrupted. And this was Mary, the mother of Jesus. And we're going to pick up her story in Luke 1, 28. And it says this, The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I'm a virgin. First off, let me tell you something. It's okay to ask God questions. It's okay to, to not understand your situation and, and what's going on. It's okay to ask God questions. God can handle your questions. He wants you to bring your questions to him. He might not always give you the answer you want to hear, but he will answer your questions. And we're going to continue reading this. And for some reason, I switched to the King James Version, so we'll pick it up in that. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy... See, I can't even read the King James. Therefore all that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth shall, shall also conceive a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. See, Mary, you could say was interrupted. But Mary might say she was invited. Because see, it's all about your perspective in the situation. Was she invited to do a hard thing? Yeah. Yeah. Was she invited to do an uncomfortable thing? Mm-hmm. Was it something that maybe wasn't in her plan for life? Was it something that was going to cause her a lot of pain and a lot of heartache? Yeah, she would have to watch her son, her innocent son, die on a cross. But see, Mary saw the invitation, and she chose to focus on the opportunity and not the opposition. See, she could have focused on the opposition. An angel just showed up in her life and told this virgin that she was going to give birth to a son. And now she could focus on the fact, what am I going to tell my parents? What am, what am I going to tell Joseph, my fiance, that I'm pregnant, but I've never done what I need to do to get pregnant? 
Like, what if he leaves me? What if, what's going to happen? What are, what are the people going to say about me? Will they even understand she could have chose to focus on the opposition, but she chose to focus on the opportunity. And I know that she chose to focus on the opportunity because if we skip down to verse 46, we see a prayer that Mary prays. And it says this, it says, my soul doth magnify the Lord. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed. See, Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. You know what? He picked me. He picked me. Is it going to be hard? Yes, but you know what? He picked me. And she begins to, to magnify the opportunity. Moms, parents, is it going to be hard? Are you going to face difficulty with your kids? Are there going to be things that, that begin to go wrong? Yes, but he chose you. And we have to begin to magnify the opportunity instead of looking at it as an interruption. You know, TJ and I will have been married 16 years this year, this month. And I remember 10 years ago going through a really difficult time because we had been trying to have kids and we were excited about what our future held and it just wasn't happening for us. We began to just get discouraged and so we started to see doctors and go through tests and all of these different things and we were to the end of that process and we had an appointment to sit down with the doctor. When we sat down with the doctor, he just pretty much looked at us and said, you know what, there's, there's about a 2% chance that you will ever have children together. And I remember walking away from that and feeling like I had an interrupted dream. That my life was interrupted in an uncomprehensible kind of way. Because everything that I imagined my life was going to be was just interrupted by what that doctor said. And I had to go through this period of time where we grieved and we cried and we didn't really know what to do and we just surrounded ourselves with people that were going to encourage us and lift us up and to speak truth and to speak life in us because the reality was we couldn't change our situation. just grieving and grieving and grieving and then there was a point where I said you know what I gotta make a decision I can choose to keep focusing on this interrupted life I can choose to focus on this interrupted dream or I can choose to make this an invitation and an opportunity and I said you know what I'm gonna magnify the opportunity that is before me because the reality was there were so many women, there were so many families, there were so many people that had been given the same news that I had been given or that had experienced miscarriages or loss. And I could choose to sit in the interruption or I could magnify the opportunity and begin to make a difference for other people and encourage and speak life and to speak hope. 
And I began to to see my situation differently and see all the opportunity that came in the middle of this unexpected thing. And I think that there's so many people that have experienced something like this. We've all experienced loss. We've all experienced hurt. We've all experienced pain. We've all experienced interruption in our life that we never expected. And see, we can choose to focus on that interruption or we can choose to magnify the opportunity that is before us. Because there's somebody that needs your words or there's somebody that needs your hope. Maybe the interruption that's happening in your life is really an invitation for you to invite people into your life for healing from a disappointment that you've had. You know, when we magnify the opportunity, what happens when we magnify something is we make it bigger. when you magnify the opportunity that God's given you, when you magnify the opportunity that's in front of you, you allow God to stretch you and to use you in ways you could have never imagined. And sometimes our situation can feel like a huge interruption. But if we can learn to see things differently, we can actually see an invitation.